seriously, it always works. There we go. Oh, that's exciting. So I've pressed a blue button, which normally means that we are actually pumping out across the airwaves. John, hello. Hello. Hello, how are we doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, for, for for all the listeners, um, I, I'm exceptionally like weird bass tones coming through because um, my entire head is crushing in on itself because I have possibly the cold that's going around that isn't the Rona that everyone's kind of picking up. Everyone's immune systems are whacked because we've not seen enough people, so everyone's just gone down with the cold immediately. Uh, yeah. Uh, have you managed to escape it? Uh, no, I had, I had a dreadful one the other weekend, which was annoying because it was my birthday, so I cancelled literally everything. Oh, no. Um, but, at, but, at, but, at, but at my time of life, it's much better to pretend it wasn't your birthday and you're still the same age you were before. <laughs> um, so, so I'm basically over with that plan. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, that's, that's quite a reasonable plan. Right, anyway, right. So at the moment, people can just see a title card, which is very nice. But um, we're going to... I tell you what, you know, we'll get we'll get John in and, and say hello properly to John very very soon. But actually, we've got we've got, invariably you and I, John, we chat too much about this particular subject and and any other we talk on. So what I'm going to do is crank on to the news um, before uh, before we uh, get started on the subject matter. So f- before we even do that, um, the coronavirus stats have you um, have you been keeping up with these? By the way. No, I, I shamefully I've kind of got the the the, um, the, the fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just that I'm kind of keeping half an eye on it purely in terms of like, is it going to is it going to completely screw us over this winter? And the answer seems to be maybe. Yeah. So so I strategically decided not to pay too much attention on on that basis. Yeah, certainly. I mean, in terms of yeah, in terms of the overall coronavirus statistics, I have to say, I for me, it's like it's just I just assume it's getting worse, and there's a generally safe assumption. In terms of the transport statistics, so these trends here are the. Um, are the trends of ridership of different transport modes over time. And they're quite interesting because uh, they give an idea of when things happened. So, for example, at the end of 2020, it was just everything just went... And then you can... Obviously, the, the kind of the very dramatic... So this is in relative terms. This is as a percentage compared to the same time pre-COVID. So theoretically, everything should kind of be bouncing along. If it was normal times, everything would be bouncing along the 100% and maybe slightly increasing because you, you, you know, there's always a little bit of transport growth. Um, but obviously, that's not the case because coronavirus happened. So uh, for those interested, rail is now sat around 70%. So it's sitting at 70%, um, not really going anywhere. Bus travel is uh, kind of sitting around 80%. So there's bus travel. Uh, road usership is still at 100% and and. For HGVs, it's more. For cars, it's around about 100 to 105 percent at the moment. Uh, cycling generally just kind of ebbs and flows. We're not entirely sure why. It seems to not bear much resemblance to what's actually going on. So I don't. I wonder whether it's kind of weather related. But um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the cycling stats and noticing the kind of big spike in those in 2020, mm. which hasn't been matched this year. I'm wondering if it's a percentage. Is that just an arch- uh, an artifact of the way the figures are calculated? And it's because there was less of everything else. Last year, the same number of bicycle journeys kind of looked bigger on this particular graph. Ah, no, that, that's an interesting. That's an inter- It is actually counts. It's count numbers. So it's a mixture of DFT right. and local okay. authority count numbers. So this is just because everyone during the first lockdown was super happy and just decided to go out on their bicycle, um, which is very nice. And then obviously you can see as as road ridership went up, you know, in terms of cars, cycling kind of went down, uh, and, and it's kind of doomed to drop. Uh, which is a bit sad, and now and now we're back to kind of the normal tussle, uh, and with a bit of a zoomed in one recently, you can see that rail is is pretty much plateaued. And this, I have to say, the more my FOI is still out, I, I've put a freedom of information request out to get an idea of what percentage of services are being run. But at the moment, my understanding is we're reaching the point where, in quite a few services, 
they are full and we're running fewer services on the railways at the moment and that might well be accounting for some of this asymptote re- being reached here this this kind of bump stop of, of not kind of continuing to climb but anyway those are the stats everyone people always want me to put them up i missed them out last week because i was disorganized and stuck on a train so uh, anyway there we are uh David Shepard asks, is it too soon to notice if the ULEZ expansion in London has increased use of public transport? Yeah, it's too soon for that. Give, give it a month and then we'll maybe be able to measure that. Yeah. David, it's been three days. Come on. Yeah. Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right the news. The news. Um, we're going to start with happy news and then it gradually goes downhill from there. So uh, this is an interesting one uh, for both you and I, John. Uh, so at the um, Green Party Autumn Conference... There were two motions put forward at conference. Actually, they, they didn't reach co- the conference floor because shenanigans happened. But they did. Uh, they were workshopped. And the results of the vote at the workshop, which I think there were about 60... I can't remember the numbers. There are quite a few people there. And uh, these two motions were voted against. So uh, motion E09, which was um, that the Green Party should... You know, government should halt HS2, and that should be the Green Party line. Um, that was, um, interestingly, uh, opposed... Uh, by 68% of the room, which is interesting. Uh, the vote, uh, the, the motion D15, which was to engage positively with HS2 and DFT, um, received 75% in favour. So quite interesting results, maybe. As a result of these results, uh, if you like, um, the it was decided to pull the two motions from conference and kind of smoosh them together and come up with an actual viable policy to be voted on at the next conference, which is kind of interesting. So I will be interested to see what that policy is that's going to be like, engage positively with HS2 and cancel it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it remains <laughs> to be seen whether it's long grass kicking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's possibly progress. And, and for those who are interested, go and support Greens for HS2 because it's all their hard work. Uh, it's not just me. It, it, people, a couple of weirdos think that it's just it's just me as a front. It's not. There are about sixty greens for HS2, and they're all all their pictures are on a website, and they tweet a lot. Like I, I can't run that many sock puppet accounts. Um, so uh, yeah, go and support them if you if you if you're so interested. So um, that's quite interesting. Right. On there, to is, the... there is a certain type of anti HS2 campaigner who is so completely convinced that they are in the right, and that nobody could possibly disagree with them that they think that anyone who is arguing in favour of HS2 must be being paid. Yeah, it's right. I've been accused I've been accused of it about four or five times by people <laughs> who just do not they do not realise that this is actually quite offensive. Yeah. And yeah, um, it's it's really I would, I, I would I would love to be in the pocket of Big Rail. I would love it if people thought me worth bribing, but yeah. it's it's never happened. <laughs> I would love happened. to be yeah. I like people don't realise how the extent to which HS2 makes my life a misery because it's stealing all the engineers so i have to work harder and it's which is incredibly stressful um because we don't have a anyway we can we can talk about like workplace and and kind of um worker and skill shortages to the council home but it's very funny and also defamatory when they suggest that we're all paid shills and then that's the reason we're supporting this project um and it doesn't do wonders for people for kind of their own intellect anyway right in in less happy news oh crikey uh, and I'm sure you'll have takes on this, John. Or indeed, maybe you won't, because you like me. Just I decided to just ignore it until I had to come to putting the news together today. Um, so uh, yeah, Treasury. It's uh, it's the, the autumn spendingy budget situation. Um, and two exciting things. Uh, or oh, the overall theme from this budget is don't mention climate change. Just ignore it. Pretend it's not happening. So um, two big hitters, I think, that are worth uh, being interested in. One of them is that uh, air passenger duty has been cut for short haul flights, which is mind blowing. Uh, absolutely mind-blowing and then the other is that fuel duty is still frozen um, 
that that being, a, I think it accounts for around about 80 billion quid now, the fuel duty freeze, and it accounts for an increase in the UK's overall GHG emissions of between 5 and 10%. So really great work there for us doing our bit for climate change. Absolutely staggering stuff. The week before COP26 as well. And it's, it's just, just it, mind-blowing. The thing is, the Tories aren't organised enough for it to actually be a conspiracy and actually be them pushing and just like taking the piss. But they they do have a habit of incredibly just managing to be very successfully as bad as they possibly could be on certain subjects. And climate change is certainly one of them. There is a bit like a trivial extra bit of cash for these city projects. So for some extra tram. Well, it's not even full trams. It's like some more studies. They were, sorry, they were saying 6.9 billion. You're saying that five, five and a half of that is was, money that was, is still. That's no, not. Announced. Yeah, that's already been oh, announced. It's just 1.5 billion. Yeah. This so, is, um, like, I, 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 I am coming around to the possibility that Rishi Sunak is, is one for the worst ones. It's difficult to kind of like draw the line between what's him and his ideology and yeah. what is kind of treasury orthodoxy anyway. <laughs> but he's quite, he's quite bad, isn't he? And like, he all is, the things yeah. that made him popular. Other things that he clearly hated doing at the very bottom of his soul. So it's 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 this it's this staggering thing, and we'll talk. In fact, we'll, we've got a, I've got a giant picture of the new Treasury flag that's appeared on the Wikipedia page, which very, oh, looking very shiny, which we can get angry about. I'm surprised it hasn't got Sunak's signature incorporated into the flag. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's the new cash, um, and to continue to get angry, we'll come back to Treasury in a second. But con- to continue to make me very angry is the fact that today as well the DFT have announced. Um, that they uh, th- the successful bids for the restoring your railway fund, which is this is basically the Tory reverse beaching kitty, uh, and the QI klaxon is going off right now, um, and rather than you know having a strategy and actually deciding on what lines you know wh- where where new railways that might happen to sit where old railways used to be are going to be uh, kind of uh, put taken forwards and developed, this whole thing is just like a, a it's a competition. Like a sort of a like a local community competition, where they just kind of pick a few pick ones that have the most the most basically the most Tories because it's invariably the places that have enough people with spare time to put these things together because it's not councils councils that are strapped for cash have no time to do anything with this so you can see a few lines here I'm not even going to talk about them because it makes me so angry that this is the way that this happens but anyway a load of lines that have made it it's not even like it's happening they've made it to the next competition round stage three of the competition folks um. I think the most angry-making part of this is that on the web page for this, it's got this link here which says, see more information about these transparency data. And the the, the decision-making process is entirely opaque for how these get picked and don't get picked. It's entirely opaque. So uh, this makes me very angry. People might think that reopening railway lines would make me very happy, but actually the process here makes me very angry. Um Oh, and anyway, yeah. So there's Treasury's logo. So maybe we probably ought to touch to just talk a little bit about Treasury, John. What, what's your overall take on budget? Have you have you kind of kept up to date with some of the other stuff as well at all? Um, I have. I mean, like, so my my general trick with 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 Budget Day is to kind of let all the clever economics people uh, work out what it actually means and which bits were lies, and then I write my column on it twenty four hours later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at which point I know what I can get angry about and what jokes I can make. Um, so it's, it's uh, yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Um, but I mean, my it, it is a broader 
uh, a comment on on the sort of the economics of, of this country more generally. Have you seen the the porcupine graph that's doing the rounds? Yes, I should have put it in actually. Yeah, yeah just show, showing all the kind of like predicted paths of growth of the last ten years, and it's we've not followed any of them. It's just been flatlining. Yeah. Um, and I do think it is quite. Yeah, you know, one of, one of the reasons people give for voting Tory is, you know, well, we can't trust Labour with the economy, can you? It is kind of shocking that we're 11 years into this Tory government and there has basically been no growth whatsoever. And OK, you know, global financial crisis, blah, blah, blah. There are there might potentially be other reasons. But nonetheless, this is a government that it's, it's it, it, you could not in any way make an argument. This has been an economically successful government. And yet they keep getting away with it. It's incredible, but it's like, and at the root cause, kind of at the heart of it all, is is a treasury being steered by um, people like Rishi Sunak, uh, who he, I mean, he is he's a billionaire, isn't he? He's an actual billionaire. Yeah. He's not even a millionaire, anyway. So that's mind blowing. But also, he's not, he's not he's not in touch with the likes of you and me, like the regular millionaires. Yeah, this um, is it, you know. Like at least at least <laughs> if you're a regular millionaire, you know, you think, well, I can't have exactly all the houses I want. <laughs> Whereas a billionaire, you never whatever you bloody want. It's <laughs> yeah, it's just it is staggering. And and so the porcupine, for anyone who's not sure, yeah, it's it's showing that that trend of growth. And yet again, they've projected, oh, you know, from this point, it's going to be great growth. It's going to be wonderful. Um, and also, yet again, another treasury. Uh, you know, another Chancellor of the Exchequer has gone, you know what's Im- really important? Having a fiscal surplus. It's like, oh, golly. Every time a government pushes for, for spending surplus, there's a tr- th- th- we end up in economic, actual proper economic strife every time. It happened in America when Clinton did it and there was a crash. It happened in the UK when we had... It's, just, it's not a healthy thing to do. Uh, I, I defer to Stephanie Kelton and others who actually, you know, are economists, but... To all intents and purposes, uh, yeah, it's it, it, this is a government that continues to be entirely economically illiterate, and it's mind blowing that they continue to get voted in off the back of being ostensibly the the economic geniuses, big brain geniuses. Anyway, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, have you have you read uh, Duncan Weldon's new book, which is a sort of history of the British economy? No, but um, I, there we go. That's the next one on the uh, list. It's 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 great. I would I would recommend it. It's genuine. I've got I've got Duncan uh, reading the audiobook to me on a regular basis, <laughs> which is which is lovely because he's from the northeast and he's got a very wonderful pronunciation of the word book. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. he he makes a point in that that you know repeatedly whenever like governments have tried to lean on on the debt, um, what's happened is they've just damaged growth. Whereas actually the way of getting out of debt does historically seem to be to just kind of like go hell for leather for growth and, and, and basically grow it away as a share of, yeah. uh, as just, a share uh, of GDP. And, and you and I being both, both you know, being transport nerds, yeah. we like transport nerds, we like transport, and transport is a very good way to improve productivity because you, you enable people to do more things by the fact they can move around more. It's it's not rocket science. And yeah. um, and you get a load of agglomeration effects by having, you know, London, it, uh, Tom Forth talks about this a lot, you know, and the agglomeration effects of London. London has all these agglomeration effects because it has fantastic transport and everywhere else does not have fantastic transport. And those yeah. other places should also have fantastic transport. And we might see, you know, actual growth outside of London. It's 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 yeah. it's frustrating. Um, well, back, asking, when, back when back when City Metric was still a thing um, with the angels now, always in our hearts. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, Tom wrote a piece. For, for us about how uh, if you kind of look at a plausible commuting distance by bus, Birmingham at peak times is not actually a big city because the traffic was so bad. Mm. So the distance you could go in 45 minutes was only a couple of miles. And so even though it looks like, you know, a metropolitan area of two or three million people, actually during that peak time traffic, it's about half that. 
at which point the productivity puzzle which is why, why our big cities don't seem to perform at the standard you would expect, uh, that just vanishes. And just, so much of it can be explained by the fact that they just have shitty transport. Yes, I just don't... It's mind-blowing that we have, you know, we have cities like Birmingham and Leeds and Manchester that are on the European stage in terms of their size and their population and indeed some of their outputs. Huge cities. They are big European cities. And then you look at the, tr- the transport that they have, and they don't have. They they essentially have no. These cities have no mass transit. Manchester has Metrolink, which is a tram system. It is not a proper high density. It doesn't have a metro. These are all these places. These huge cities that should have metro systems, as in by which I mean like a London Underground or a DLR type high density system. And they don't have these. It's just. And we wonder why they don't perform like cities in Europe that do have metro systems. It's just mind blowing. Um, anyway, we should we this this will occupy the whole episode as we could, yeah, we could yeah. rant about it for hours and hours. But there's there's one person. So so Dave has asked, am I going to quote the budget figures for transport? No, I'm not because for rail that 1.5 billion is the only new thing that's been announced. Everything else is stuff that's already been announced. So I I refuse to give credence to any of the numbers they've been referring to today as if they are new uh, and you know large and wonderful because they're not. It's old news. <coughs> Anyway, right. Uh, oh. Dave also says, I wish Glasgow had an additional subway and a crossrail scheme. And, you know, me too, Dave. Me too. Yeah. Well, we, we all do, Dave. Yeah, it's, the, Glasgow's subway system is a little embarrassing. It's like the only one in the world that hasn't been expanded, isn't it? I think possibly oh, it's even cute. got smaller because they've closed a station or something. There's some... Oh, yeah. Oh, Glasgow. Lovely Glasgow. Anyway, right. Uh, enough of that because we need to talk about crossrail. So, uh, with, <laughs> without, with, on the subject of Treasury, uh, without further, further ado, and we'll, we'll see John momentarily, I promise, but it's time to start tonight's episode. Welcome to tonight's Rail Natter, everyone. Wonderful Intercity 225 fades away. Ah, oh, there it is. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. Actually, I've put the title card from our previous episode up because, John, uh, welcome back to the show, I should say. And in fact, I'm going to get your miniaturized face in the top corner. Well, you've, you've been rich. Skype has decided to miniaturize you. Well, there we are. Good job. I'm uh, handy on the keys. So, um, yeah, uh, last time you were on, you were talking about the uh, an official and objective ranking of London's rail terminals. Which was a which was a really fun episode. We went on we went on so long, John, on that. We we like I think we it was like a, almost a two hour episode. Classic. Um, it was good fun. Really enjoyed that. And the reason I put it up is because it's kind of relevant to what we're talking about today. Because the part of the reason why Crossrail ever gets talked got talked about and was discussed was because you had all these rail terminals not attached to each other with huge numbers of people kind of wanting to get across the city with no viable alternative option. And yeah, and and so it's kind of yeah, so it's kind of interesting that you're here to then kind of extend that and talk about that a bit more, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, right, I need to press this button and then press this button. Right, so we're starting. We're just going to crack on, basically. Uh, cut in, John, if you uh, if you have a particularly uh, insightful little uh, bit and piece. Essentially, for anyone's watching, this is going to be a page turn of uh, three interesting old crossroad reports. I've, we've dressed it up as being a sort of a history, but actually it's really an excuse for John and I to laugh at old maps uh, and maybe look at a picture of a, an advanced passenger train on the southern region, which is... Um, I have no desire to laugh at old maps. I'm going to look at old maps and, and, and weep for what might happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we say laugh, we mean laugh hysterically and, and sob. Uh, yes. Um, so, 
the first thing we have to do is talk about Crossroad getting its name. And actually, before we do that, there's something else I need to do, which is make my slides purple. Yeah, topical. So, uh, so yeah, Crossroad gets its name. Now, Crossroad gets its name uh, from the Department of Transport, as it was known then. <coughs> um, and do correct me on, on, on these, John, if you believe that. But I think it was in 1974. So there was a report put together by, I think it was like a consortium of the Department of Transport. I think London Transport got involved it was kind of led by DOT, and it was 1974, and they coined the word. They, they used the word crossrail. It was the first time, I believe, um, and they used and this map, which you sent me a nice high res version of. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Um, this map was kind of hinting at what that might look like. Um, I love this map. It like, is gorgeous. This is exactly the kind of thing where, which I was talking about when they say, you know, this is if if they tried start if they started building that in 1974, like so so firstly you've got your you've got your Liverpool Street to Paddington, which is not not quite the the route the Elizabeth Line is getting now. Like it's got a Marble Arch station that goes instead of Farringdon, it goes through kind of Ludgate Circus and Leicester Square. But the other thing I like about it is the the second proposed crossrail line is a south to south line, um, yeah. because one of the problems as as like I I, I spent. Uh, part of my misspent youth and part of my misspent career at City Metric, uh, <laughs> trying to think of what 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 crossrails three, four, five could potentially be, because because I'm I'm really very cool. Um, hey, this was some of the strong content. That was that was City Metric yeah, was at its finest when it was it had the crayons it. out. It did, yeah. Um, but one but one of the things one of the problems you quickly run into if you do that is that there are fundamentally just far more national rail trains coming into the south of London, or at least uh, local regional ones coming into the south of London than there are coming into the north. So ultimately, you need something that basically runs south to south. And lo and behold, I discovered this week that the Department of Transport were talking about that in 1974. You've got this lovely line that comes uh, comes into into London Bridge and kind of skirts. Uh, the Thames Bank and uh, the North Bank of the Thames, and then back to Victoria and out again. Um, and if they just got building that in the eighties, then oh, it'd be beautiful. It'd be very yeah. nice. Is this going through? Um, uh, is it going through the, the this this what is it? Which market? I, I was there. What's the station? It's the first terminal, and it closed. Is that what? Is that what that's going through? I think it is, isn't it? Do you mean Spa Road or the Bricklayers Arms? Brick Lane. I think it's going through Brick, no, Bricklayers. Brick, Bricklayers. No, Bricklayers Arms. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. it's like. Yeah, I mean, I mean that assume... makes sense because there's loads of dead space they could have used for depots and things. So yeah. I can understand why they might be doing that. Yeah, yeah. I used to live very near there when I first moved to central London, um, and and the fact that that, that there was nothing there <laughs> transport wise was 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 a continuing issue. But yeah. also, Frank, the reason we could afford the rent. So yeah, I was going to say. Well, there's the um the the Bakerloo extension is like a definitely a necessary project that needs to happen. Oh, uh, Skype has decided to resize you again. Skype, behave oh. yourself. It's all right. Uh, no, don't panic! Don't panic! Right, so um, this is and it is gorgeous. It is just a gorgeous map. Like seventy four, they got aesthetics right. It's very, very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, all these different lines are kind of the, the the underground lines and the various. And this is this is also the this is the fleet line, I presume, under construction. Is it? No. Uh, Green Park. No, Winter. I don't think the. No, that's that's the the jubilee. That's that is the, jubilee, the first that's jubilee the, bit. Yeah, that's the jubilee as originally built. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Um, yeah, very nice. So that's seventy four, and we could dwell on that uh, for for a very long time because it's very nice. But we're not going to do that because we've got other things to do. British Rail. So this is interesting because it it's got some very funny graphics in it that, that you'll enjoy. British Rail had other ideas. So rather than you know solving some of the suburban problems that the you know kind of trying to augment the central line as it were, um, British Rail thought that it was a far better idea. In fact, um, oh by the way, yeah, this this a bit pre warning, it got killed off immediately. 
just as an FYI to everyone, uh, like everything else they did, uh, it just immediately got killed off. But it did create this interesting report. That was in November 1980. And their report, it was across London Rail Link, and it wasn't to be a suburban connection, per se. It was going to be this intercity connection. It was going to be intercity connectivity across the city, which is really interesting. Um, and It's barking, though. I don't understand why that was ever... Like, fundamentally, all the other cities, almost all the other cities, are to the north or west of London, because if you go south or east, you quite quickly fall into the sea. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> just if the demand is not balanced on either side, why would that be the thing you prioritise? Yeah, I, well, and this is what we're hopefully going to find out as I, when I bring this thing up here. Because it'd be interesting to understand what in the hell they were thinking. Because it's kind of understandable this got binned, because exactly as you said, but P- is Peter Parker signing his name against it, right? And um, Spider-Man. Yeah, indeed, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh this booklet is about... Sorry. <laughs> You've thrown me by the Spider-Man gag. I knew it was coming as well. I just sensed that there was a Spider-Man gag coming. But, uh, yeah, so they're going here and talking about the idea of... Um, it's the link across London would provide through trains, cut out inconvenient interchange between train and underground or taxi, thus save valuable time. But it's kind of like, for whom? Who is... But the, it kind of comes in here, and there's this word here you can see, channel tunnel. So this is part of BR getting very excitable about their... So they've already had the first iteration of the... In fact, it started being built. The Channel Tunnel, by this point, had been started being built and then got cancelled. And they were like, well, it's kind of only temporarily cancelled. We're going to build it. We're definitely going to build it. Honest, Governor. And so they're honestly, they're thinking about... They are thinking long-term about this being the way that Channel Tunnel would connect... You know, the Channel Tunnel Rail Link would come up through this... Use this new line and continue on to the rest of the country. So in a way, this ties back to the... Um, yeah. We had an episode. We had an episode a few episodes back. We were talking about why the HS1 HS2 link is 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 a bit rubbish, and and this is this would have actually been useful if nothing else for that. That is, I mean, that is. We were talking earlier, obviously, about about um, shorter haul flights, mm. and you know, if you could get from from the West Coast Main Line or HS2, as it's going to be soon enough, um, to 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 HS1 into the Channel Tunnel. And replace flights between you know, Manchester and Paris that with, with, with high-speed trains. That would make a lot of sense. And it is a bit depressing that, that 41 years after this report, we still don't, not only don't have a way of doing that, but we don't have a plan for a way of doing that. That is deeply depressing. So maybe they were onto something. Maybe we should not be so rude. Yeah, it's... Well it's, done, it's, Spider-Man. Well done. Well done, Spider-Man. Uh, right, so... Uh, this is so. So the, the graphics get quite fun. I quite like the aesthetic of this. I quite like the little, you know the little double arrows and then this little dip under London. It's quite it's quite fun. And actually, if we're talking about logos, this logo definitely got stolen for then the next iteration of the Crossrail logo. Which anyway, um. So so there's that red big red section. Passengers to from all places north or west of London generally travel via London. It's like well yes that's true, but I mean and it's not an insignificant population I suppose. But I do agree with you that it's still. The, the, is it that much of a market that are desperate to get through? And well, I mean, you know, Thameslink, I suppose. And so, yeah. It, but I, I have to say, I share your skepticism about this being just entirely domestically useful. Um, so yeah, they they continue to push that thing. What's so here come the advanced passenger trains, which are definitely the reason to have this uh, appearing here. Oh, actually, so Richard Smith has asked an interesting question, which is, uh, was it about freeing up station footprints in central London to sell? That sounds like the kind of joined-up thinking which I don't think the Department of Transport has ever massively excelled at. Um, I mean, like I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the the piece about ranking, sorry, the episode about ranking London's rail terminals. Mm. 
London does have an absurd number of rail terminals. I mean, if you look at like New York has got like three or four, depending on how you count. Paris has got about half a dozen. London has, if you're being the, going on the more expansive definition, something like 14, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, of, which, of which 10 or 11 are pretty sizable. That is, that is kind of crazy. You always think we could kind of like get rid of a couple of those potentially, but it doesn't sound like the sort of thing that I've ever heard a serious plan for. How about you? No, I, that, the only reason I'd give credence to that is because would would be perhaps on the idea that, that they were already running down St Pancras, for example, and perhaps there's some credence to the idea that they'd they'd have actually done they'd have just entirely bulldozed St P, you know, buried it and then run through those plans. You know, that there were ideas for that, but but the idea of there aren't many. The thing is that there there are too many terminal services running to all sorts of places into these terminals for them to really successfully close, you know, maybe more than one or, or two. Um, so, I, yeah, I have to say, I'm not sure. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting point. It's certainly an interesting thought, Richard, but I, I'm not... Yeah, I agree with your join, lack of joined-up think. That would require them to, to think ahead, wouldn't it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, for anyone who's... Uh, I know the top corner is hidden underneath me and John, but you can download these off the Railways Archive, so uh, you can get them up yourself if, you, if you're so interested. Anyway, let's talk about APT. Particularly this one. This is my favourite. I can't actually... Oh, I can wiggle my mouse on here. This one's good because the, the bottom one here of the APT, uh, they've got a pantograph on the on the APT's first car. Also, all of these APTs are um, use conventional, not Jacob's bogies. Plus, they also have a power car intermediate thing with a pantograph. So this is a mind-blowing graphic. Where on earth this appeared from, I don't know, but I absolutely adore it. Um, bonkers. Anyway, um, it's always good to get APT involved. So the, so the idea is they're explaining, oh, well, you know, it's a pain in the backside to go via underground. It's a pain in the backside to go via... This is saying bus and taxi. They're actually referring to, to the, the, like, they're looking at all the barriers and sort of talking about journey time and saying, it'd be great if you can just get the train through. There are people in the chat saying, hey, it's not a bad idea. There's loads of people in the south, in the southeast. Yeah, and that, it's a, yeah, it's true. There are actually. Um, and it would be a good idea. But I suppose the reason John and I are probably a bit credulous is because this is going out in 1980 in the midst of a uh, fairly sizable recession. Um, and the idea that this, that they're suggesting this over, I don't know, for example, electrification, it seems puzzling yeah. to me. But there we are. Also, like even if even if there are and there are there are a lot of people to the south of London, and there are a lot of people in Essex as well to the east. Mm. Um, but there is very little evidence that that many of those people want to go beyond London on a regular basis, yeah. uh, or regular enough to kind of make it worth this kind of investment. So yeah, and and to be honest, at this point in history, the people who do want to regularly travel from one side to the other are using will use Crossrail eventually, and do use Thameslink, and it's generally suburban traffic. And those who are travelling longer distance um, can change and don't mind doing it because actually it's quite quick now to hop off at London Bridge or at, at Waterloo and find your way up to King's Cross or Euston. It's, it's not that painful. Anyway, so here's some nice um, graphics. I, I should, if, anyone, if anyone can hear shouting in the background, by the way, that's my partner Agnes yelling at our puppy, um, uh, who has done, I don't know what he's done, but it doesn't sound good. So, so I apologise <laughs> for the interruption. We've already um, had people in the chat asking where the puppy is and why the puppy isn't on screen, so it's okay. I think people um, are, are hoping for interruptions. If you're if you're very lucky, I will, I will go and grab him and kind of wave him at the, at the camera before we're done. That will be glorious. But, uh, that will be yeah. glorious. So, so here's the so here's some things about physical aid. There's there's the suggestion of like you know they've put um, Paris up, which is very nice. Um, there's there's sort of talk about through London or round London and some sort of some discussion about, it. and then they've got this thing, this spaghetti chaos here, which is great fun. 
so you can see here they've got um, possible routes through London. So this is this is fun one. So they they skip Victoria um, at the big that big crazy junction where the lines from Victoria cross the lines the, the Reading lines. Um, they're gonna they'd add to that somehow. Uh, and then sneak this kind of new tunnel that would go underneath. It would connect Paddington up, and then it would disappear off onto the Great Western Main Line, which is, that's Doolally, and I love it. Uh, and then going northwards, that would then tie into... Um, actually, that's kind of looking a bit like Crossrail 2, I suppose, because it's kind of coming out through there and then tying into... It seems to tie into the North London Line and into the um, into the Middle Main Line and then into the um, kind of East Coast Main Line as well. It's sort of a weird crossroad to terms of hybrid, isn't it? It is, it's... isn't it? It's a bit. It's strange. And then, and then the other one is is coming off Bricklayer's Arms, uh, doing this weird S curve to kind of tie in Waterloo. Uh, they, they've got this word Waterloo Euston they've written down. So it's like they're going to introduce a new station, a new London station, and call it the same. Call it two other names of a station, which seems bold to me. But, uh, so what are they calling it? Sorry. Uh, they, they, so they've actually no. No, sorry, it's fine. It's fine. I'm getting confused. That's just the name of their line. They'd call it the Waterloo Euston line. It's fine. Everyone, <laughs> it's fine. We're good. Anyway, so that's. I think if you're going to do this and you don't call it Hoff Bun Hoff, then then yeah. you're a coward, <laughs> yeah, yeah, frankly. Yeah, I was going to say if you're building a big station in the middle of the city and don't call it Hoff Bun Hoff, that's 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 a, an error. Anyway, so that's chaos, and I love it. It's just bonkers. And then there's some nice stuff talking about. You know, they point out all these little egg shaped. Uh, tube tunnels they've got to dive underneath. Um, Woolwich and Reading beds, they are. Um, I presume it's some some horrible uh, geological formation they'd be dashing through. Yeah, it's sand. Uh, and then what else have they got? LTE. What's LTE? Uh, oh, what is LTE? What would LTE be? Where, where are we? I'm sorry, I've lost Yeah, yeah. Track so of... this is this. So this yeah, is yeah. the. So where are we? This is down. This is the southern end. So the left hand side is the southern end, and the right hand side is the northern end. And the northern end is kind of cli- it's going down underneath. Oh, is it, does it just stand for London Transport Executive? Oh, that'll be it. Yeah. Yeah. So is that? I think it's, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. It's just referring to that. So it's so I, I I remain puzzled. So there's the Camden tunnels. That's something. Is it maybe? What is it level with Euston Road? Is it like the? Oh, I, I honestly have no idea what that is. Um, I I. I <laughs> it's great well, they're dodging it anyway and then they're climbing up underneath there's the empty indication of some of the other random stuff that's the empty carriage line that I think is still I don't think it's even being blitzed by HS2 I think it's still surviving there's this weird carriage tunnel north of Houston that's mind blowing anyway that goes in there and it's um quite something uh, and then you get maps more maps so here's oh, Victoria here he Henry, Henry. oh here he is quite a minute watch this we're going big face everyone there he is, everyone. This is Henry Scampi. Oh, my goodness. There he is. Hello. And he has, I'm told, just done a massive poo on my living room floor. So, <laughs> well done, Henry. But you can see him moving. You can tell he's real. Some he is real. He does he look... In fact, a teddy bear. He does look quite a lot like a teddy bear, I have to be honest. He does, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's, quite, he's quite bitey and generates a lot of, uh, well, a lot of frankly shit and piss for a teddy bear. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I shall know. now return you to your normal realm after service. I should have done. I should have. Yeah, I should have done uh, John Elledge <laughs> slash Puppy. That would have been. It yeah. might have confused yeah. people, I suppose. Anyway, right. So let's get our miniaturised faces back. There is a map. This map is confusingly uh, on its side. So um, there's Victoria, low level station, whizzing up through. Yeah. So this is kind of. You're right. This is kind of a bit of a Thameslink slash Crossrail Two hybrid. A bit strange, but there we are. Um, yeah. And they've got this breakdown of the service, and it's an interesting report, but this is the bit that we've all been waiting for, which is an, an advanced passenger train in East Croydon. There we are. 
<laughs> which is which is because I mean, what's what says wave of the future better than East Croydon? Um, <laughs> I know, and it's also somehow on a third rail line. Uh, so it's I just love every I love every inch of this document. It's absolutely doolally. Honestly, it's bonkers, and I love bonkers. And I, to be honest, we need more bonkers. We need more of actual government bodies coming up with this sort of crazy stuff. We need more of that. We need more imagination and, and, and vision. Oh, anyway. I mean, I've had, as, as, as we were talking about regarding Sigimetrica, I'm kind of a born-again cranista. I think actually this stuff is like generating silly ideas like this. It's, it's like the Overton window, isn't it? You've got to kind of like talk about the kind of the ridiculously ambitious idea if you ever want the kind of like less ambitious version to kind of end up happening as a compromise. Exactly, absolutely. So, too often have yeah. too often have we had the, the the like actual thing we need dangled in front of us like it's some magical distant thing rather than the, you know, connect every city over 100,000 people with a high speed line sort of chaos. Like it's yeah. the idea that HS2, which has been, you know, in the works for so long is the crazy, like distant magical thing that we should be dangling in front of ourselves rather than, you know, being something that should have been delivered 25 years ago is, is yeah. It's Absolutely. Just, although, although like the, the thing they're talking about as a backup is like electrification of the middle and main line, which, oh, you know, obviously um, as when we last we met, you were complaining that that was not going to do what it's meant to do. Uh, but more to the point, we we didn't do that forty years ago because yeah. why? Exactly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a really good map that did the rounds showing how poorly electric, you know, how how little of our network is electrified compared to the rest of you know normal Europe. It's quite something. Anyway, so there's there's a load of text. I'm not going to read through the text that normal PDF read through because we're here for the fun stuff and to enjoy how doolally some of these plans are. But there's a sort of evaluations of the scheme. This is all the sort of the, the net present value assessments of um of of the of of the scheme and how it would look. Um, relationship with, with other major schemes. So this is kind of, this is where they, I think they briefly allude to the other cross-London proposals and the idea of, of how they'd interact with the suburban stuff. Um, but what they say is, the, the response to it is basically, do more tunnels, just do more of them. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then there's a discussion of environmental effects, uh, which would come from the reduction in road traffic. So, you know, 1980, ahead of their time. Uh, and, and then there's some nice conclusions saying, build this, it'd be great fun. It definitely wouldn't be doolally inexpensive, um, and uh, and definitely don't rip this up immediately. But you know what? I'm glad they did it for all previously mentioned statements, because uh, stated reasons, because it's bold. It gave people something to chew over and think about, something interesting to do, and also, actually, it keeps. If when you've got a recession, it's a good time to be looking at these sorts of crazy things because people are uh, maybe not delivering physical sort of project design work, and actually, they can lend their hand to. Slightly more doolally things. So there we go. So that They're is delivering dreams, Gareth. Dreams, I know, right? Dreams. Yeah. So that's so that was the Cross London Rail Link study. Now this there is Cross London Rail Link study. So let's let's bring us back to our our presentation. So the Department of Transport, um, they try again post Big Bang. So we've we've jumped ahead about ten years, right? Or or to the towards the end of the decade, Thatcher's just made uh, the two thousand eight financial crash happen by doing Big Bang. Uh, we're financializing everything and it's all absolutely definitely sustainable and not going to cause huge amounts of problems for everything. But we'll park that for now because in January 1989, we have the Central London Rail Study, the word central there being hidden underneath John and I's faces that there is there. It's a Central London Rail Study. Um, and we're going to look through this one too. This one is, um, is much more familiar to us, I think, because this is what... Uh, there it is. This is what brought us... Crossrail as we kind of know it now. 
and it was a comp it was and again it was a joint effort it was basically a, a revision of the 1974 report it was like the dot british rail did get involved you know net, their kind of network southeast group oh worth pointing out by this point uh british rail had sectorized and network southeast was thinking much less intercity and much more we are a suburban rail network so they kind of started wanting to have buy-in into the idea of, of Crossrail actually being a suburban thing, not a, an intercity thing. So, um, yeah, slightly some interesting network rail, uh, interesting British rail politics going on. Anyway, so this is full of data, which we're going to... is another scribble, but sadly it's not Peter Parker. It's the Secretary of State, who is Paul uh, Pass. Who is the Secretary of State for transport in? Paul... No idea. My, my, my knowledge. Of He's got a wiggly. He has a wiggly sex. last surname, and it starts with a CH. Well, I don't know. Um, well, those primary school is sadly limited. So yeah. Well, yeah. no. What the whole point of a transport sector is that no one remembers who they are. Isn't that the whole point? Um, so, uh, and so we've got trends of overcrowding. It's all the standard familiar stuff. This scan isn't great, by the way, which is a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, it's all the good stuff. Future prospects. Also, you notice now. So in this report, it's funny because they basically put loads of pictures of like Docklands. And and sort of um, uh, yeah, basically Docklands development because that's everything's happening in Docklands right now. It's 1989, and Docklands is being converted from having nothing in it to having everything in it. Um, quite something. Uh, so this is a map, and this is showing. So the red stuff, the stuff that's got red on it, uh, is the stuff that's massively overcrowded um, in 1987. So, you can see this. That's, that's quite a lot of the network, isn't it? It yeah. is, and. So this had happened because because of Big Bang. Big Bang, for those who don't know, uh, Paul Channon. Thank you, Paul, you're James. Um, so uh, Big Bang was the was kind of the the untethering of the uh, of the financial institutions of Great Britain. The banks could could kind of uh, could be more prospective in their in their behaviours, um, and essentially it led to several financial crises. But in doing that, it did create a short-term bubble of lots of people getting employed in London. And it, in a way, kind of probably was part of the process of turning London's fortunes around. So London was becoming a, um, mm. you know, London was in decline, actually, until kind of the 80s. And then start, things started turning around, right? So Owen O'Neill on the chat has pointed out correctly that London's population bottomed out at some point in the 80s. Um, like it previously peaked in in... It, it, it's kind of difficult to track exactly because the, the pre-war figures do still give Greater London. It's like, is that London really? Yeah. But anyway, the population of the land area of what is today Greater London previously hit 8.6 million in, in 1939. Then between the war, the Blitz, uh, and then the new towns programme kind of fell progressively for the next 40, 45 years. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to think of that now um but at some point like the 1981 census is kind of the bottom so we assume the bottom was probably actually reached at some point in the early 80s mm, yep. um but but since then it started then we went through another 35 years of london growing by about 100,000 people a year which is which is not an insubstantial number of people um hence a housing crisis and some uh, enthusiasm for the building transporting scheme yeah so all this overcrowding is people traveling from where they haven't you know, arguably people who haven't actually moved en masse into the sort of the realms of the, the kind of the confines of the city yet are still traveling by rail. And so everything's absolutely saturated for all these new jobs that have appeared. Everything's absolutely saturated. So you can see problems. Uh, hence, as you say, the vigor and interest in lots of things happening at that point. So there's, you know, new rolling stock. Uh, you know, also at the time, London Transport start investing in lots of new rolling stock. There's new tube trains. um Network Southeast start investing in new trains. There's actually quite a lot of exciting things happening by the mid-80s. And even nationally at this point, it's worth saying that the rise in passenger numbers um, didn't start 
as privatization in the mid 90s actually it started in the mid 80s and it was hit by the early 90s recession but actually so passenger transport is on the rise in britain at this point big time uh, and and this is kind of talking about all those kind of projects that are happening talking about the, the overcrowding lots of lovely data here's another map and so this is the idea of what the overcrowding after the major upgrading that they're kind of hoping for and i think this is of, of the lu stuff this is saying um, what the overcrowding would be um, in 2001. Uh, now, if we flip back, you can see that there's less red, which is good, right? But still quite a lot of red. Um, so I think this, they're, they're making the point that even after the major upgrades that are planned in, so I think this is not the crossroad stuff. This is the stuff that's kind of planned in anyway. Uh, there's going to be a bit of a reduction. Um, yeah. And so then they took, so then, oh my goodness me, this is where the map gets a bit doolally again. Uh, be careful of your doolally maps, everyone. They've added many other colours. So, so we have new construction. We've got uh, Jubilee extension to Ilford. That's that's exciting. Indeed, right? Uh, why? Why? Yeah, what, what, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? Actually, bit of a, an extension. Why did? Yeah, I wonder I mean, why they short curtailed it to Stratford. That's... I mean, it probably well, you would have. I think you would have needed extra tracks between Stratford and Ilford, which would have been a pain in the arse. Yeah, um, probably so, tracks so, that Crossrail would uh, now use it. Actually, I suppose they'd be well, exactly. Using yeah, the, the, yeah, the bits that are going to be uh, the metro tracks that are now mm. going to be part of Elizabeth Line would have been would have been swallowed. So probably to then build Crossrail, I imagine you would have needed to stay in the tunnel all the way to Ilford. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they're juggling up. The, so so this is. Loadings reduced to below planning standards. So actually, they're suggesting that wherever that little green bit is, where is it? They're suggesting this tiny little blip here is going to be benefited hugely. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what point they're making with that. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that it's in the body text, but we can't. We don't have time to read reports in great detail. Uh, but you can see, actually, what's interesting is how much overcrowding there still is in the south and the and the west of the city. Um, it's still just red. There's a lot of red on it. So, so this, so they're basically pointing out the Jubilee Line extension seems to solve some of the problems on some of the commuter lines in the direction of, of kind of Stratford and beyond, uh, you know, Angley direction. But there are still issues. It's nice seeing the DLR in here as well, actually. Still, it's uh, uh, mid to late eighties. Uh, so there we go. So that's the, that's that map, and you can see they're starting to talk about the Chelsea Hackney Line, which is what Crossrail Two is, right? Uh, yes. Um, in fact, when we were when we were first planning this episode, and I. I, I, I cheerfully said, "Oh yes, I could do it, but I could do a chat on this because there was definitely a city metric piece in which I went through all the plans. What they'd actually done there was confused Crossrail with the Chelsea and Hackney Line, and there was a piece in which I went through all the plans for that going back a century, um, and have been blagging this entire time. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> journal, like that's uh, that has been under serious consideration since at least 1948, I think, but yeah. possibly even before that." Right. And it's it's funny because because Crossrail Two is arguably from a strategic perspective the most important of the three big sort of required things that that have happened. Um, well, I suppose four if you include Thameslink. Uh, the Jubilee extension was was something that was kind of jumped between being heavy rail and being being underground. Ended up being delivered first because of Canary Wharf Group essentially, like because of <laughs> because they bankrolled mm -hmm. part bankrolled it, and so that happened first, then Crossrail. Um, and but actually, Chelsea Hackney is arguably the one that is most critical for for relief because it, it, it's relieving Waterloo, it's relieving Victoria, it's relieving some of those really crowded stations down that end of the of the city. Anyway, so but it's not going to do so much for the bankers, is it? So they don't have the same impetus to to put money behind. They it. don't get to magically say this will definitely have loads of private mm. funding, even though uh, 
I think they're still trying to recoup money for Crossrail. And oh, there's there's all sorts of shenanigans about the the the, the ostensible private funding for certain parts of yeah. the uh, uh, London Transport Network. Anyway, uh, do you remember a very vague? It was just. I think this is literally corporate creationists, but there was a very vague plan discussed a couple of years ago to build an entirely new underground line between the sort of Euston King's Cross area and Canary Wharf with one intermediate station, probably around Shoreditch, I would guess. Um, I would not be that surprised if that didn't happen before Crossrail 2, because again, (laughs) you can kind of see, you can kind of see what, I mean, we have just built an extension to Battersea in almost entirely because of property developers. So, so this isn't that much crazier. Um, yeah, so. it's a little bit depressing that Britain continues. London is, is no better, but Britain continues to just have, it comes back to those like opening rural railway lines competition. It's like zero strategy, all show panic and electioneering. It's uh oh my goodness. Uh, Chris Jackson's with us. Hi, Chris. Jubilee to Ilford would have gone from Charing Cross via the city. Diverting Jubilee line extension via South Bank and Docklands meant curtailing at Stratford. Ah, so the curtailing at Stratford is as a result of um, taking it via well, the South Bank. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Well, okay. Necessary sacrifice. Yeah, they're, they're not like right angles, do they, trains? They're not keen on right angles. They're so. not. They aren't. You're right. That's yeah. my day job is making them not do right angles. Um and, to, and yeah. these maps. If again, your train does a right angle, something's gone wrong. It, it, yes, it, precisely. Uh, so here you go. This, this, this is this is the effect of the Chelsea Hackney scheme. So they're looking at the different options and how they impact. And you can see there's more of this turquoise disappearing. So it's having benefits down in this end. So you can see Chelsea Hackney actually is having quite a a marked. Where is it? It's a, that major upgrade. This one. So you can see that the, the Jubilee Line extension is solving the problem up here, whereas the Chelsea Hackney is solving problems right the way across London. In fact. But uh, obviously, Chelsea Hackney isn't the one that went forwards. So, there we are, lots of evaluation. Uh, Oh, the Thameslink. There's Thameslink coming through and pointing out that Thameslink doesn't seem to solve that much. A little bit of the Waterloo crowding, but not a huge amount. But then Thameslink was kind of really satisfying a a necessary strategic kind of purpose, uh, and and in a way creating traffic rather than just sort of fixing it for other people. So there's, there's, yeah, it's interesting. And then... Uh, dear Lord, right. This is where all. This is with everything. This is them going. Look, we built everything. Look at it. It's wonderful. Um, crikey. Two thousand and one. It says two thousand and one. Imagine how lovely it could have been by two thousand and one. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. So this was eighty nine, and the optimism of the idea that they could deliver <laughs> in twelve years, they could deliver this many substantial infrastructure schemes. Crikey. The... See, I still remember back in the nineties all the talk of Thameslink two thousand. Which finally got finished in 2018, yeah. and then immediately <laughs> fell over. Oh golly, yeah, immediately collapsed and just oh dear, it's best not to worry about that. At least, uh, at least uh, you know we're capable of delivering major infrastructure projects in this country. That's uh, at least that's good. So this is then there's an interesting discussion in this report. They talk about combining East West Crossrail and Chelsea Hackney into one scheme, which is sort of I, I can't even make heads nor tails of what they're kind of. It's it's a bit so it's essentially it's doing the north south bit through central London, and then doing the east west bits towards Anglia and then down towards uh oh, sorry just towards Anglia really so it's it's quite the I mean it's not completely crazy is it I mean it's if not, you think no. that like like those Lee Valley lines um are relatively low demand compared to that kind of Great Eastern Main line yeah um so like you can kind of see if they're trying to set match demand on either side of London. That's that's not insane. I mean, it does feel like the reason we've kind of gone back to to the sort of Lee Valley to, to Waterloo main lines version of, of Crossrail 2 
that happened once the housing crisis became a thing mm. and it wasn't just about existing loads it was about oh where can we build more homes yeah yeah, yeah. and actually the lee valley is quite it's quite useful and like it is weird looking at all these crossrail plans that housing need is not in there at all and and like to the extent that like when they went on to build crossrail like how many stations does it have that that face onto greenbelt it's four or five isn't it yeah, yeah and yeah. there was no requirement whatsoever to kind of build housing around those it just went through it's crazy um, it is crazy that lack of i mean again it's another thing we're very bad at in the uk is spatial planning and yeah they're just talking about they're all talking about commuting and overcrowding res- resolution and not anything about sort of the the potential yeah, housing like growth. Yeah. yeah 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 very little so there we are so this is basically their conclusions and then they put on this so there's so this is this is fun so there's i, I don't even know what these maps are okay these are talking about they're an overlapping victoria line scheme so that's kind of that's that's part of what is crossrail 2 now sort of uh yeah and then uh jubilee line extension so we know that that's that's we know that happened, and then actually we know that it also dived southwards this side, so that it became so. So essentially, by do by diving southwards, the JLE um, actually left the room for Crossrail to come in. So if you like that, the fact that it didn't go Ludgate and then Whitechapel, it dive, it kind of comes up the other way, uh, pointing towards Stratford, as, as Chris was saying earlier, uh, left that room open, uh, and then you've got the, the the overall Chelsea Hackney coming through here, and you can see the emphasis in this report is definitely like. Chelsea Hackney, it seems to be there. That's their one that they're like waving around. Like this is gonna, this is it. This is gonna solve all the problems. Uh, this is the big, this is the big project we need. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, Bakerloo Line Southern Extension. We talked about that earlier. Or we mentioned it earlier. There it is. Still not happening. Oh yeah, this is pretty similar to the, uh, to the like the the, the TFL study because they've got two question marks around here, haven't they? About where they're gonna place the the, the Bakerloo Line Extension stations uh, on Old Kent Road. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then this this is DLR. This is extension of DLR, which uh, has it's an interesting route for the DLR extension, isn't it? Into into Waterloo. Crikey! I mean, there have been. Is was that? Are we sure? It's, it's difficult. To, I can't work out which. Yeah, place sorry. This is saying uh, Docklands Second Line, Waterloo to Canary right. Wharf, Westcombe Park. Yeah. We, but that's that's obviously what later became the Jubilee Line extension. They decided so, to. Yeah. So they've doubled up on this. So they've doubled up on the fact that this connects through Surrey Keys and then up to, mm. well, it's not Surrey Keys, it's a bit further north, but it, it um, comes through there. So that it's interesting seeing how these all kind of warp and swap swap bits with each other. Because, um, yeah, that's JLE. So JLE comes through there, comes a bit further north across Canary Wharf, and then up, hey, that's, that's, yeah, interesting, okay. And then goodness knows what's going on in West London. Uh Many things. Oh, yeah, they were talking about, like, swapping bits. It was like, you know, it was very... Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of swapping going on in West London. There's there's a wife swapping joke there. Someone that's not seventies. This report is it's thematically inappropriate. Um, I do like I do like Map Six though. Map Six is an interesting one. Oh, go on. Okay, Map Six Crossrail schemes plural. So there's so, so this is the bit I remember. This is when, ah, when yeah yeah. So like that that the East West Crossrail discussed there, which is not quite the one we got, mm. uh, is the route I remember being consulted on in the nineties. Uh, and um, growing up in sort of the Essex fringe of East London, Gideon Park was my local station. Uh, I remember all the leaflets about this one and being <laughs> very, very excited as a teenager. And I'm now sat here in my forties and they haven't finished it yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it is depressing. Um, so this includes. This is calling Crossrail. So the Chelsea Hackney is its own thing, and this is saying Crossrail. This is also which, which is sort of where Chelsea Hackney and Crossrail Two 
are, are both are and are not the same thing, confusingly, because this is clearly designating a Crossrail 2 that is broadly sitting where Crossrail 2 sits now, but the Crossrail 2 plans that we have now have incorporated a lot of the Chelsea Hackney requirements, so there's, there's quite a lot of, of kind of bouncing around on this map. It's um, it is quite interesting, yeah. Uh, and also time... And also, you, sorry, go on. Also, you have that, that city route, which is... Uh, which, which, as far as I can tell, is that, is that using the, the northern city line? I suppose it must be. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it diverts so, yeah, away from the northern city line at one of the, at, um, in Shoreditch, actually, in, in Shoreditch proper, is it? It looks like before you even get to Old Street. That's yeah. the Via Liverpool Street, Fenshire Street, London Bridge, and then down to, to Mid Kent, which, I mean, that can't be. That's, I mean, that's I a bit of a curveball, that. isn't it? They just chuck that in there to see if it sticks. I just, I just can't see what's the benefit of that. I mean, like, it's, uh, I can see why, like, that's exactly the kind of thing that, that I, I like to draw on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't see why it's appearing in an official government transport document. Yeah, it's um, that's quite, that's quite something. Map six is great fun. There, there's a lot going, and then obviously there's, there's the, there's, yeah, as you say, the east-west route that is basically familiar to us. Actually, that is. By large, they, they locked. Yeah, they locked off the Marylebone branch. Yep, that's good. And and uh, stuck in uh, the Docklands uh, and North Kent one on the other side, but that is that is now starting to look a lot like what we're actually getting, isn't it? Yeah. So we're definitely so eighty nine. <coughs> we're getting closer, and this is a sideways map, which is uh, Thameslink Metro, which is kind of what we are getting with you know it's what we have with Thameslink now. So so that is a thing that's actually oh my god, it's actually happened. It's actually both of us are doing this. We're both. We're both turning our heads on our side to, to see this. Yeah, yeah. Um, there we are. So, that's, so that is Thameslink. We don't need to dwell on that because that is, although it's going up to Enfield Chase and that isn't Thameslink, but it is going up the middle. Yeah, it goes up the, yeah, it goes up the other branch, doesn't it? Oh, no, does it? Um, no, it, Enfield, no, it does do that. That's Great Northern, isn't it? So that is that is still sort of, in a roundabout franchise way, that is sort of Thameslink. No, but, the te- the, but that's, the, that's the Harford Loop and those ones don't use Thameslink even oh, now. No, they don't, do they? Yeah, they go to a new barn instead. Ah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, there we are. So, uh, again, chopping and changing. It's interesting to see how these things are. And it feels like the chopping and changing, it just feels like it's a lot of wasted energy and effort in, in some of the work that goes to kind of swap and change these rather than deciding to stick with something. But anyway, you know, demands and requirements change, I suppose. So that's those two. So let's flip back to our... So that's the London Rail study. So jump forward. So that was 89. Jump forward to the 22nd of January, 1991. And we have a bill deposited in Parliament. It's the first Crossrail bill. Hooray! Um, and of Ooh, course... this going to end? Yeah, well, indeed. So and alongside that is a glossy brochure. And here is the glossy, glossy brochure that was uh, very kindly uh, donated. Uh, the photographs were very kindly donated to me. So hopefully it's fairly clear for you. John, at your end. This, this is, is nice. what I remember. Yes. This is what I remember from my childhood. Yes. <laughs> so this this is quite. I like this. I like it's quite. I like, and it's got this logo again. It's a bit. This is the. This was. I've got a pin badge somewhere of this. The original cross. Well, the the crossrail logo that kind of did the rounds. And um, yes, yeah, so there's this information brochure. So this is from June '91, and they've got these these lovely graphics. Look at this diving underneath London. There it is. Introduction to crossrail. Crossrail with a capital R at this point, but it does have the Johnston Diamond Eye, which is it's brilliant. So it's clearly like um, London Transport have kind of claimed it a little bit by this point as, as their own thing. So they're talking about the origins and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we know all that because we've done this. And then this is the, by this point, this is the proposed route. So so from 89, where you've got that pretty, pretty expansive study and a load of appendices backing up, this is then the route that was deposited as part of that bill. 
And so you have got. I can scribble on this now because it's on. It's no longer a PDF. So we've got. Uh, what we've got. We've got. Uh, we're coming from from Aylesbury and through Amersham and down. So that's kind of paralleling the me- the metropolitan line, right? And then Reading through Slough. Uh, in like how, this is the crossroad that we know. So this leg is is familiar to us, right? Then through Central London and then out to Shenfield. That is that's that bit we recognise. This bit though, this is still in the bill at this point, which is which I find interesting because it's not actually a bad idea to have included it in that. You know, as part of well, that. there is there is that imbalance in demand on east and, east and west of London, isn't there? Like, as something ridiculous, like a third of the crossrail trains are going to turn back at Paddington, yeah. which does feel like a waste if you're going if you're going to spend fifteen or eighteen billion, whatever it is now, yeah. on digging a tunnel all the way in the central London from east to west. It does seem like a waste of everyone's time to like turn back a bunch of the trains at Paddington, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily have chosen. Uh, at the Aylesbury line, in that, like, that's not that high a demand now. It and is, again, is, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not going to, like, build a whole bunch, if you're not going to basically do Metroland again, then what's yeah. the point? Yeah. Uh, um, so the reason why all, all those services that stop at Paddington should really be going down here and kind of down, down the, there, there's a lot of Ooh. Thames Valley that should have Crossrail on it that doesn't. Um, and maybe at some point in the future will, but at the moment it doesn't. And yeah, that leg does seem weird, particularly given that it has a, even at this point, it had a pretty good. 1991 had a pretty good service on the uh, on the kind of the lines, you know, the, the Chiltern lines, right? That's not, not not a bad service actually on those lines. So it's not like there's a load of pent up demand that wasn't realised. Um, anyway, uh, and it's difficult to build houses up that end because weird, you know, NIMBY politics. So uh, there's so that's the map. Uh, we not like all the graphics and all the kind of this is what Crossroad will achieve. Oh, this is good. So they do. Uh, it's worth. Where, where's my thingy gone? I was going to scribble here. Right. So. They do mention twenty-four trains per hour, which is the number that Crossrail achieves, right, or will achieve. Ah, ah can I just point out that Richard Smith, who oh. has been attempting quite transparently to troll me throughout this this episode <laughs> by by referencing Doctor Who and talking about abolishing the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea, uh, points out that adding adding that line to to the Thames uh, to the Crossrail routes uh, would have let them close Marylebone. Um, which which that's a plausible explanation, I suppose. That's some yeah. quite that's some quite valuable uh, central London real estate. So yeah, that's a fair point. That's a very fair point. And it is it's a weird as we discussed and as you showed me actually. And I'd never had this until you showed me in in, in episode nine. Uh, the fact that that is a it's like a siding that they've shoved down the side of where of the space where they might want to put their whole station. Uh, it's 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 very strange looking at the aerials and seeing seeing the, the line sort of sneak round the side of of what was clearly the, the the bought real estate by the Great Central for their huge terminus station that never really appeared. Um, yeah, it's quite it's, uh, it's quite good. So a lot of real estate there. Yeah, fair point. Um, here's some nice graphics showing how many trains and how many, what the journey times are. What is this? This is it's a hell of a graphic. We're talking about Psycom here. What's this saying? That it looks like a clock. So I'm guessing it's journey times to different places. Uh, yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah. Um, is it or how frequent they are? Oh, how fr- it's frequency of service. So every forty-five minutes to Wendover, uh, you're getting every, yeah, and you're getting trains going through Paddington every five minutes. Okay, that that makes some sense, I suppose. Uh, are you mildly baffled by this? I I mean, it's not helping that it's not coming up clearly enough on my screen for me to make sense of it yeah to be honest um, you're, it's, it's about as tra- it's about as confusing I, it's talking about it's saying journey time it is saying journey time here in minutes but it's not a hugely clear uh, graphic it's, it looks nice but it's not that clear yeah. uh then we've got trains per hour which is all the standard stuff so there's sort of that you know how many trains from shenfield and ilford and blah 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 so we know all that stuff lovely 
And it hasn't changed much. There's the, the old Docklands logo, actually. Yeah, uh, they're throwing in the old. They're throwing in Docklands, despite the fact that this version of the route does not, in fact, serve Docklands. Yeah, yeah, Presumably, yeah. the expectation was everyone would pile off at Stratford. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting call. And west of London, they talk about what they do. It's nice aerial photography. Ooh, this is before the Google map. This is probably the sort of photograph that people found interesting back then, because there wasn't this thing called Google Earth and Google Maps. So uh, it's probably quite a nice glossy to have hold. In fact, a few people in the chat are saying they have this glossy to hand. Um, Right, here's the central central area stations. Now, what has changed through here? Uh, so there's Paddington. That's definitely a, th a thing. And the next one's Bond Street. That's definitely a thing. Tottenham Court Road, Farringdon, and Liverpool Street. That is the. Those are the five. It is. That is it. It doesn't. It? it doesn't mark either Liverpool Street or Farringdon as as as, as double ended. But but just looking at the size of the blobs, it there might be. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so even by this point, in fact, even in the 1989 study, they're talking about the fact that Liverpool Street and Moorgate are kind of becoming a bit of a, um, you know, tying into one thing. Uh, well, in 1989 was only a couple of years after they'd redeveloped uh, Broad Street as as the Broadgate development. Ah, okay. Uh, so somewhere in so so not long before um, there had been another station with like railway lines in the way. Whereas, like by 1989, for the first time, like you can, those places are kind of intermingling. So yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's this. I quite like this because it's it's showing it as a, a tube line, which is an interesting choice, um, and maybe leads to some of our later discussion. We've already blasted two times. It's five past eight. This isn't going to be quite as long as our last one. I think we're a bit more on schedule than we were last time. Um, this is quite fun because of the. I mean, the, the, the sheer chaos of this um, mapping. This is this is this is a bit. It's a bit egregious. Come on now, uh, merge all these into just one thing. But anyway, it's it's kind of making the point that that it's look how well connected it is. Also, little uh, future Chelsea Hackney connection there that obviously. All right. Oh, bless. Bless him. Bless him. I love that optimism. Yeah. <laughs> and what's quite interesting is yeah, as you say, it's it's like this. So this version of the line is entirely sort of biased towards the west and having you know providing a lot of service in the west and just getting people up then across to Shenfield. Um, and it's interesting then to compare that to what we know the line to do now. Oh, there's some focusing on like there's Paddington, and there's Bond Street, and it's showing two entrances. I mean, I suppose people could. I'm conscious of time. But people could concentrate on whether these, um, you know, what how these compare to the current stations. I suppose this is pretty similar to what it is now. This is the right. Is is it on Eastbourne Terrace? Is this this is where it is, isn't it? They they dug a hole. They, this all got dug dug a hole. This is the station. Is that right? I think that's pretty much correct. I mean, just yeah. in that. I think so. Parade Street was certainly the, the only name of one of the one of the Paddington Underground stations. Oh, I think yeah, okay. it was Bishop's Bridge Road. The other someone in the chat room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Bond Street there, which I don't I don't know the actually the other thing is that this this graphic representation of the urban fabric is a bit weird. I find it a little bit jarring uh, to actually work out what the geography is going on there. But I, I assume. Basically, the the spaces where they could put things for these stations have probably not changed that much, even in twenty in you know ten years. So they're mm. probably not dissimilar. Tottenham Court Road, um, that's definitely similar because I think that's where there is this. I I know they've that's built exactly it. where they're building yeah, them now. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's Farringdon, which uh, actually Again, is this. I think, that's correct. I think that's where the big that's where the big the big entrance is on that side. Um, can I just ask, by the way, can I just ask the people in this chat, is anybody else really wound up by the fact they're calling it Farringdon and not Farringdon slash Barbican or something? <laughs> and the same with Liverpool Street and Morgan. Because that has been really winding me up for a number of years. Really? And 
And it's just like if you're gonna if you're gonna connect it to two different underground stations, do the Parisian thing. Put them both in the name. Put both in the name. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. People are gonna not know that they've got a chance to be connected to both, and they're hopping off. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah, that's it. I suppose nowadays we can kind of rely on just using Google Earth. Uh, sorry, Google Maps, which will say go via there, go via there, and you won't think twice about it. But yeah, it's a good point. Who people are getting angry? Who who's getting angry in the chat about that? Please do. Thank you. Um, um, no, nobody yet, but well, it's behind, isn't it? So I don't know. Maybe everyone's going to burst out in fury any second now. We shall see. Gareth Williams is pointing out. That's All right, David Shepherd. Thank you. Right, thanks for your support. No, oh, other people. Oh, right, Michael C. Go. Good old Michael C. Thank thanks, you. Michael C. Yeah, you're, you're supporting <laughs> yeah. us. Uh, Gareth Williams points out um, that the stations are being represented in purple here, which is uh, interesting. Oh, they didn't put the line in purple, but they have put the stations in purple. So it's our first appearance of purple so far. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Uh, environmental assessment. Oh, there's some general, general stuff. Drivers Jonas. Uh, I don't know if they exist anymore. I wonder who they've been gobbled up by. Uh, there's the. So this is the. If we're talking about optimism, this is great. November '91 is now. Uh, there's the engineering feasibility study, and then from November '91, they're going to deposit the bill in November '91, which they did. Subject to the consent of Parliament, construction could begin in early 1994. Ooh, early '94, bless them. End in '99, so they'd finish it in 1999. Wowza! Uh, central underlinement tunnels, spoiler removal, all this good stuff. There's some nice. Weirdly, they've done. I don't get this. They've done a big diagram explaining cut and cover. And there's incredibly small amounts of cut and cover used, as in, you know, like how they built the subsurface lines. I don't know why they've dedicated an entire page to talking about cut and cover construction. Mind-blowing. I mean, as as someone who worked in print magazines for a number of years, my guess is you've got to have a page count that is a multiple of four, yeah. <laughs> and they had some space to fill. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, that might be it. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. I don't know what, because most of it's tunneled, so I don't, it's very strange. Anyway, there's all the nice pictures of the various places it's connecting to. And that's the end. That's it. So 1994, what a joyous optimism we have. Um, and of course, um, it gets killed off by 1994. Uh, the, there is no royal assent for the bill. It's just murdered. They just, that, they end it. That's the end of that. So uh, Crossrail, sad face, is killed off. Until over 10 years later... When uh, and it's always on the twenty second. I don't know why it is that all these bills, all the Crossrail bills, are deposited on the twenty second of the month. It's very strange. Anyway, twenty second of February two thousand five, the next one appears. <laughs> Crossrail round two, and they're trying it again this time. Um, yeah, crikey. Anyway, it happens again, and this time they've essentially flipped it. Uh, and we'll see in a minute what what I mean by that. So there's the bill, and indeed in two thousand and eight, it does actually two thousand and eight. It does actually happen. It, it happens. Um, Crossrail happens. Hooray. Uh, or rather, uh, it gets its royal assent, and then it starts becoming an actual thing. Hooray! An act to make provision for a railway transport system running from Maidenhead in the county of Berkshire and Heathrow Airport in the London Borough of Hillingdon through central London to Shenfield in the county of Essex and Abbey Wood in the London Borough of Greenwich and for connected purposes. Um, so that does sound suspiciously like the crossrail that we know and love. Um, and indeed, yeah, as of October 2021, over 13 years later, yeah, no, uh, get back to us on that. Let's, uh, let's, let's, we'll come back to whether Crossrail ever gets finished in a future episode. But I I've, thought been living, I've been living in this flat for nearly three years. In a couple of weeks, it will be three years in a couple of weeks, and I moved here in part because it'll be very near. It'll be about eight minute walk to a Crossrail station from where there'll be a direct train to my mum's. It is now looking increasingly possible that I am going to leave before Crossrail ever opens. So, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone trebles all round. Uh, I thought we'd humorously end by looking at some of the lo uh, uh, at the logos and getting irate about logos, which people are already doing in the chat. 
getting irate about about names of systems. So, firstly, this is the construct. This is like the the organization, the delivery organization logo that eventually got decided on, um, which is you know fine. It's very two thousands y, but there we are. Um, you know, you'll see this logo all over the place still. The thing that I find funny is that this feature the and. and Cut in if you if if you if you have other thoughts on this logo. The thing I find funniest about this logo is that if you bring up some of the graphics from from the new bill, so this is the graphics that were associated with the new bill when it was put through the two thousand five bill, and you can see down here, uh, rather suspiciously, there's this there's this Kingston section here. Tenth oh, was that official? So this was so an official was... thing, yeah. Because I was aware of that, but I, I almost made a joke about this earlier. That sort of briefly was in the plans, but I thought it was something, I thought it was Hounslow Council chancing their arm. Yeah. I didn't realise it was actually an official proposal. Uh, so presumably that's that's it kind of swallowing the, the, the Richmond branch of the district line and then going on a bit further. Yeah, exactly. And not a bad idea, actually. Uh, and this is so this version. Oh no! Of... Now I remember there was there was horrible opposition to it in Richmond. People really didn't want it because they didn't want to lose the district line. Um, they would be getting something better. Richmond people, what are you on about? Why did you do that? Yes, but have you have you met people? Though? Like people, <laughs> are the, people are the worst. <laughs> so th- what's the reason I put this up is because this is what gave us that crossrail logo. It's this layout, this sort of two-spur kind of uh, kind of X layout. It gave us that crossrail layout. Uh, the idea being the middle thing is the Thames, I think. I think that's kind of or, or vaguely what they're... Mm. I, don't, I don't know. But basically, See, it's the... I've always read that as, like, you've got your crossrail one, which is east-west. You've got your crossrail two, which is northeast-southwest. And then the mysterious never-discussed crossrail three. <laughs> ah, okay. Southeast. I thought, that, I thought it was kind of like that sort of thing. So this is the this is basically the brand name for Cross London Rail Links Limited, which is they they yeah. trade as Crossrail, right? That's that's their logo, that's their thing, and this is their this is from their publicity material. Um, obviously, that didn't happen, but we did also. What's nice, interesting, is that they've got Ebbsfleet Ebbsfleet Crossrail down here as well. So they're showing it going to Ebbsfleet down here, rather than pausing at Abbey Wood. So there are, you know, these these are things that, again, basically Crossrail should have also done this, should and, and hopefully will do this. It makes sense in my head for it to go to Ebb's Fleet. Stopping at Abbey Wood doesn't seem to make any sense to me. There we are. Um, so, yeah, for me, I was like, well, this is what the logo should look like, right? <laughs> so, um, yes, there we go. Uh, the other logos that we need to talk about, the Roundel. Um, John, do, do you have thoughts on, on what I'm... Do you have thoughts on this switch? Oh, boy, do I ever. Um... So, firstly, I find, obviously, I find it just a bit weird that we're naming it that when she's still alive. Yeah, a little bit. Um, like, I mean, it is kind of weird if you kind of look around at the sheer number of things in in London, in, in Britain, in places that Britain used to rule called Victoria. I think, you know, this was inevitably, something like this was inevitable at some point. But she's not dead yet, guys. It's like we're naming we're naming stuff after her when she's still here. And that is a creepy thing that dictatorships do. Um, yep. The other thing I find weird about it is is the way that like we're giving it a different color. Like this, this suggests it's part of the tube, but we're giving it its own color and identity separate from the tube. And I, I it's. And, and also the fact they put the word line in there, like because presumably because if they just put Elizabeth, it would it look looks weird. As stupid as it is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel very strongly about this. Yeah, it's, and, it's yeah. it breaks everything. <laughs> it just breaks everything, and it's not a tube line. It's a it's, it's, it's 
Okay, this the shade of blue and purple here is obviously bad, so fair enough that they've made the purple make more sense. But they could have just called it Crossrail. It's quite a good name. It's fine. You know, Paris has the RER. Lots of places have their heavy rail, major, dense, you know, high density kind of suburban, li- uh, kind of urban and suburban lines. Um, it could have called it Crossrail, and and arguably, you know, it should be integrated with Thameslink, and they should all become kind of one thing. And we could call it Thameslink, we could call it Crossrail, we could call it Crossrail too. But it's not a, it's not a tube line. It's not. I, I think it's normal yeah. for us to not think it's a tube line, and also it has the word line in. The, it's just yes, it breaks everything. Well, then you also run into questions about whether it should be managed with the overground or as something else. And it's just, and also like Thameslink is one of the few bits of the of the London suburban rail network, which, as far as I can tell, TfL have never had any designs on. Um, (laughs) Presumably because there's no way of separating the the local services from the regional ones, so it's easier just not to touch it. But yeah, so it it is weird. Um, Yeah, it is just very strange. Um, and it's again. I suppose it's it's as as lots of people have been saying in the chat and agreeing with us. It's kind of yet another symptom of, of of ignore the jingoism, but it's another symptom of a lack of thought and joined up thinking about what rather than thinking right, what's actually a good idea in fifty years time? Let's kind of aim for that and generally kind of face everything in that direction. It's like what's the most uh, headless chicken impersonation we can manage all of our transport policies to do, and then let's do that. Except it's not even that well organised because actually it's just it's just uh, uh, that thing and then panic and then name it after a queen. It's, yeah. Anyway. Ugh. Yes. No. I. I'm also irated. There are lots of people getting angry in the chat about this. Um, I have never recovered from realising that since since um, not nationalisation isn't quite the right word, but since the tube was taken into public ownership in the thirties, yeah. every time it has built anything, it has named it after a member of the royal family in some way. And that's weird, isn't it? it is well, yeah, yeah, the Victoria, the Jubilee, the Elizabeth. Anyway. We can do better than that, folks. Yeah. There are, like, London is a city with a hell of a lot of culture. We could name things more imaginatively than we have. Anyway, yes, very frustrating. Oh, so, um, well, basically, the last thing, can we learn, John, can we learn any? Can we learn anything from all of this? All of this chaos, can we learn anything from it? Um, I think we, not that we didn't already know, I mean, I think we can learn, I, I, the thing that I have learned from it, from, from it in all honesty, is realising the extent to which things like housing and, and that kind of economic development side was not featuring in this at all, until surprisingly reach, recently, all the other stuff was was, was entirely about um, um, managing existing passenger flows. No one was considering what the future might look like and how that might be different. Um, so that is kind of a... That is kind of shocking. Uh, but the main thing we learn going through that is like quite how short term this the the British government is and its infrastructure planning it. And I assume that both of us and everybody watching this really knew that. Yeah, it's true. So we've not learned that at all. We've just yeah, it's we've just had it hammered home even more vigorously. Yeah. Um, no, that was yeah. Thanks, thanks for thanks for joining us and chatting through those. It was basically an excuse to look through those hilarious reports. I still yeah. have the idea of an APT in East Croydon. That that image is just <laughs> it lives rent free in my mind. It really does. I am I am coming under pressure to, to stop talking about trains and go and go and uh, eat some dinner. Can, yes, can I, let's can I just, so that there is so we need exactly yes audio only people. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's coming soon. Um, uh, the the next thing is the the normal plugs of Patreon, Discord, and PayPal. Uh, also I'm on Trash I was on Trash Future go listen to it it was a very funny episode it's one of their Patreon episodes go and listen to that it was great fun we talk about everything that's wrong with railways in Britain it's good 
But more importantly than any of that, John has a book out. John, it's, it's beautiful. It, it is like the, the, the cover designer, I suspect, got paid more than I did, but fair enough because <laughs> look at that. Um, it's gorgeous. It, it is, I'm going to be honest, there's remarkably little about transport in here, but it does tell you about the history of the universe. It, it argues about how many countries there are in the world. Uh, it talks about some of the oddest superstitions around from, the, from around the world. It talks about climate change in the world's beast film franchises and some books destroy, uh, some books burned by the Nazis and the history of gay marriage and basically just like a hundred things that I'm interested in um, in a lovely book that you should that will make an excellent Christmas present from whoever it is you don't know what to buy for this Christmas. <laughs> uh, and I would advise everyone to go out and read it right now. Also, for those uh, those in the audience who, who used to read City Metric and are also sad it's no longer with us, uh, I do have a sub-stack uh, called The Newsletter of Not Quite Everything, uh, in which the spirit of City Metric lives on, and please do just check that out instead. It is, for anyone who's... It is very... So the sub-stack is very good. Uh, you talked about HS2 in it quite recently, which was nice. I do. Um, the book is very beautiful. I have it here. You can see I've, I've also got me, me reading through it as well. Um, it's very, very nice. Look at it. It's very, it's very nice tactile. It's lovely. It's a very, very nice book. Get it while it's still in hardback, everyone. Um, yes. John, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Actually, the last thing, actually, there is one last thing I have to say before, before we oh, say yeah. thank yous and depart, which is oh, next week's episode. Uh, which is episode 86, The Good and Bad Ways to Stop Errant Trains. Uh, and then we have a picture of a train that has smashed through a buffer stop. It's the buffer stop episode. Um, yes, that's next week. Enjoy the buffer stop episode. Right, so back to John. Forget buffer stops for now. John, thank you so much for that. Sorry I've kept you 21 minutes longer than I should have. Um, no, this, this has been great fun. It's been a lovely tour through, 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 through history, some of which I remember and some of which was a lovely surprise. So thank you for having me back on, on your show. Always an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks to everyone in the chat. Uh, chuck your questions into Discord. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you. John, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy thanks. your dinner. Uh, and um, and all that remains is for all of us to say um, uh, here at, uh, at Rail Natter Towers is to, is to wave cheerio. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio.